praise. You are the one who conquered the grave. You are the everlasting, the great I am. Lord, we thank you this morning that you have given us voices to sing. You have helped us in time of confession and just the praise of being able to glory in our assurance of pardon and to sing to you. You are worthy to be sung to as we join the angels who are constantly before you crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, the Almighty. Oh Lord, we are thrilled to be with you this morning, honored to be recipients of your grace, brands that have been plucked from the fire. And Lord, we are grateful this morning. God, we come before you asking for your help to worship as we ought to. Lord, to give you the due uh, praise that you are due. Father, that you would help us in all the things that are going on in our lives uh, and in this church family. Lord, we give those to you. Let us not be distracted by them, but Lord, help us to cast our cares upon you because we know that you care for us. Father, we don't just pray for ourselves, but other churches. We uh, lift up uh, the Christian Believers Assembly in Lansing, um, North Carolina, Lord, that you'd be with them, that you would uh, encourage them this morning as you gather them together, Lord, that they would look to you, that they would worship you, that you would help them to um, be mindful of the gospel ministry in their community. Father, we lift up other churches within the Reformed Baptist Network. We think of Grace Fellowship Church in Hazleton, Pennsylvania uh, this morning. We lift up the elders there and uh, the deacons, Lord, as they serve that body. God, that you would uh, give them strength uh, in their area to proclaim the gospel. Father, that you would use that church uh, continually as you have in the past to uh, raise up more men for the gospel ministry, to send out missionaries. Father, we thank you for their fellowship in this network and we pray for them and lift them to you. Father, we do not uh, forget the persecuted church. We lift up the persecuted church this morning in India. Lord, we know that uh, believers there are uh, regularly being um, uh, set apart for uh, houses being burned and even their lives uh, being at risk. Father, we pray for those who have been falsely imprisoned, that you'd be with them in various uh, provinces of India. God, that you would give them strength for those in prison, that you'd be with them this hour, Lord. As uh, the hour gets late there in the day, that you would be present amongst them, or that you would bring a song to their heart, that they would know that, that you are with them and that you care for them. And Father, those who are set aside to be put to death, would you give them grace to finish their race? because you are worthy. And Father, we lift these uh, that are persecuted to you and the persecuted church in many places in the world. Father, we're a blessed people that um, we don't have those same fears, but uh, Lord, we ask that you would be with them. Father, we pray for those who have not yet heard your gospel. We gather this morning to worship you and exult in you. And yet the grim reality is that there's millions and millions and millions that have never heard of your name. And so we lift up the unreached people group, the Dalik people of Eritrea, Lord, that you would be with them, that you would bring the gospel to them. And while uh, it is in surrounding countries in great uh, form, 
that you would bring uh, the gospel to these people, Lord, that they would look upon you, that you would redeem those who are yours, that you would draw them to yourself, and Father, that you would uh, fulfill your work in them. Would you raise up workers for the harvest? Would you send missionaries to them? Would you give translators great uh, focus, Lord, as they seek to bring uh, the Bible into their language? And so we lift them to you, Lord. We pray for the troubled spots in our world. We think of uh, Africa and all of the coups that are happening in West Africa, the uh, crisis in Ethiopia with many starving and Sudan. Lord, we continue to pray for the war in Ukraine. We know that you are sovereign and you are in control and you are working these things to your uh, uh, predestined end. But Lord, we ask that you would be with the church in both Russia and in Ukraine as they seek to preach the gospel and be strengthened. Father, we pray for the church planting efforts that are happening in Ukraine, that you would be with them. And uh, Lord, that you would strengthen those uh, brothers. And uh, Lord, that you would give them strength in the midst of this conflict. Father, we pray for, uh, of course, the uh, conflict that has arisen in Israel and uh, the Gaza Strip and Palestine and all that is happening with Hamas. Father, that you would draw many to yourself through that as many grieve the loss on both sides, that you would uh, be glorified, that Lord, you would uh, draw many to yourself, that you would raise the church up on both sides of that border to minister to those who are sick. And how often we forget in that conflict that there's believers on both sides, uh, living in homes and seeking to care for uh, those marginalized, Lord, that you would draw many again to yourself and care for them. Father, we pray for our own military and those who are away, that you would be with them, strengthen them while they're away. We lift up chaplains uh, in all branches of the military, Lord, to take your gospel where it's needed most in a time uh, that is most necessary. Father, we uh, pray for those who are grieving, uh, who have lost loved ones, that you would be with them, continue to uphold them and strengthen them. Father, for um, Sarah, Lord Furches, Lord, as she carries this child, we thank you uh, for this baby. We pray that you would give her a, uh, a good rest of her pregnancy and a, a wonderful delivery, Lord, that there would be no complications. We pray for your grace on the Furches family, and we thank you for them. Father, we continue to pray for those who are sick. Uh, we think of Mary Houck, uh, Sarah, um, Reed's mother, Lord, that you would be with her, Lord, as she um, has hospice uh, that has come in, and Father, that you would be with the family as they see Mary uh, continually um, starting to uh, waste away, Lord, that you would help her to trust you. We thank you that she knows you, that you would be with her husband, Carlton, Lord, that you would be with the family, Lord, as they um, are just working through this uh, season, Father, that you would be with them and care for them and uphold them, Lord, in this time of great turmoil. And Lord, that we pray that you would show your grace upon Mary, Lord, that you would bring her home, that she wouldn't suffer longer than is necessary. Father, we continue to pray for healing for um, Tom and Susie's grandson. Uh, we pray for Dean Mundy, Lord, as he continues to battle Bell's palsy. Father, thank you for the great news from Arbinet uh, missionary John Cordy and his um, a clear scan with his esophageal cancer. We pray that you would continue to give strength to John and Bethanna, Lord, as they desire to get back to 
uh, ministry with the Toda Odom tribe, Lord, in Arizona, that you would be with them. Lord, we lift up Christina Graybeal to you, Lord, as she uh, continues to undergo treatment for cancer, Lord, that you would be with her. Father, we pray that you would um, be uh, with those that are traveling. And Father, uh, with Christ alone as well down in Wilkesboro, Lord, that you'd be with Pastor Tim this morning as he preaches your word, that you would give him strength. Again, we thank you for the update on his heart catheterization, that everything is, uh, is well for right now. And Lord, that you would just give him strength in his, in his body, Lord, to continue uh, the ministry that you've placed before him, and Lord, that you would strengthen him. Lord, we pray that you'd help us now, Lord, as we turn attention to your word, that you would be glorified, not just in the preaching of your word, but our obedience to it, as we worship you and exalt you for who you are, for you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. I trust that uh, each of you are uh, doing well and um, enjoying the fall weather. It is good to uh, see each of you and um, that we are able to, again, go into this um, text this morning in Genesis. I hope that you are enjoying this uh, walk through the book of Genesis. We are uh, very close to coming to uh, about half the halfway point, and uh, it's hard to believe that uh, we're uh, already here. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22, uh, we're going to uh, pick up where we left off last week in verse 15 through the end of the chapter. If you would stand with me as we read God's word together. Genesis chapter 22, verse 15. This is the word of God. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Now after these things, it was told to Abraham, behold, Milcah also has borne children to your brother Nahor, Uz his firstborn, Buzz his brother, Kemuel the father of Aram, Chesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jiflaf and Bethuel. Bethuel fathered Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. Moreover, his concubine, whose name was Rumah, bore Teba, Geham, Tehash, and Macha. This ends the reading of God's word. May he add his blessing to it. You may be seated. Basil Miller, in his book on George Mueller, The Man of Faith, wrote this. It is not enough to begin to pray, he advises us, nor to pray aright, nor is it enough to continue for a time to pray. But we must patiently, believingly continue in prayer until we obtain an answer. And further, 
we have not only to continue in prayer unto the end, but we have also to believe that God does hear us and will answer our prayers. Most frequently, we fail in not continuing in prayer until the blessing is obtained and in not expecting the blessing. George Mueller, as you may know, is known for his great faith and in his time uh, wrote many uh, blessed journals and writings that remind us of what it looks like to trust God even in the midst of tribulation and trial. We have been no stranger to watching Abraham here in our text walk with great faith towards God. We've seen in uh, weeks past that his faith was accounted to him as righteousness. We've seen him also stumble and fall as far as his faith is concerned. We see this in taking of Hagar and agreeing with Sarah that maybe the Lord would use our wit and our knowledge to bring a promised son into the world. And yet God said, no. We saw his lack of faith in going to Egypt and calling Sarah his sister and trying to preserve her rather than trusting the Lord. And so we see this in various uh, contexts that in the life of Abraham, we've seen the ups and downs, if you will, of Abraham's faith journey towards the Lord and trusting him. And we have now seen the very pinnacle of thus far in the book of Genesis, the promised son Isaac being born and the great joy that it is to see him, the elation of both Abraham and Sarah. And then we see the text almost come to this silent point when uh, you can hear a pin drop and God asks that Abraham would take his son up Mount Moriah and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. And thus, this is where we've been in the book of Genesis. We've seen his faith in this last passage earlier in chapter 22, when he took the fire and the knife in his hand, he went up, he bound his son, he laid him on the altar, and he was about to slay his son, and God speaks to him and tells him not to lay a hand on him. And then we saw the substitutionary sacrifice of the ram in the thicket that was sacrificed in place of Isaac. We gloried in the gospel as we see this in the text and we realize that Abraham not only passed the test, but ultimately the Lord proved his faith was in him. In the context of this, we discussed the great trials that we all experience and that perhaps we have, can look back in our lives and see times that we've passed the test but for many of us, we know the times that we've failed the Lord. And Abraham is an example to us of what could be. And yet we see that the Lord is faithful to meet us in our hour of need and to help us to be people that trust him more closely, more dependently, more thoroughly. And so we see in this text as the author Moses, under the inspiration of the Spirit, brings a close to this thought in uh, chapter 22. And he does this by way of reminder that God indeed had spoken to Abraham from heaven. And notice what he says. It says in verse 15 that the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven. 
Again, we've looked at this in the context of Genesis already, but the angel of the Lord here is mentioned, and we have seen that this angel in the context of not just Genesis, but the rest of the Old Testament is one who's not just delivering very messages from God, but indeed receives worship from believers. And therefore, we have come to understand that this angel of the Lord ultimately is the pre-incarnate Christ, that Christ himself, that God himself is appearing to Abraham. We saw this earlier before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, earlier in the chapters uh, prior to um, uh, the destruction there, and God appeared to them. And so we see that as we look at this text, the angel comes to Abraham a second time from heaven. And notice what he says here. He says, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I want to look at three points here in this text this morning. First of all, we'll see the reward towards Abraham of obedient faith that he is being reminded of the very covenant, the very promise that has been reiterated through this text. Secondly, we're going to see that God himself in his kindness gives rest in the midst of our sojourning in faith, that God cares for us, not just in spiritual ways, but in physical ways. And then thirdly, we'll see that God has blessed Abraham's extended family in relational grace. And we see this also carried out in later passages of Genesis, that God is preparing and continuing to prepare his plan and his people with this great redemptive thread that goes through the scriptures. So take a look here again at the reminder of verse 15. Notice God is swearing by himself. There's no one that he can swear by that is greater than him. And he says that because he has done this, Abraham, taking his son and not withholding him, that he would bless him, that he would surely multiply his offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. Now, a reminder of that in this context would have been a huge blessing to Abraham. Why? These were the very texts that seemed contradictory to what God was calling him to do in raising up Isaac as the promised seed and then, then asking for him back in sacrifice. And yet there's a, con, uh, a, a confidence that's built in Abraham and his own faith because of what the Lord has done. So by way of reminder, let's look back at this and see this in its form. Go back to chapter 12 of Genesis, chapter 12. And we'll just take a quick uh, look at multiple passages. And we see that the Lord is continually doing this in the life of Abraham, reminding him of these things. For us, even in the New Testament, uh, the apostles remind us to look to the Lord or remember or be reminded of. We have short memories. And notice here what in chapter 12 was promised to him. Look at verses one through three. Now the Lord said to Abram, 
This was before his name change. Go from your country and your kindred to your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. So that's the first part. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, jump to chapter 13. This one's a little bit shorter, verse 16. He reminds him in the context of Abraham and Lot separating. He reminds him this, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Now, jump to chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Elysia of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, for your, uh, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Turn to chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant with you between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. Of course, we could continue reading that, but for the, our purpose this morning, turn to chapter 18, verse 18 and 19. Again, reiterated in the context of the promise that they would have a son and Sarah's laughter. It says this in verse 18. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. And so we see God's reiterated promise and covenant to Abraham. Isn't it in the context of the testing of our faith, church, that God brings us the sweet reminder of whose we are? That we are safe and secure in the palm of his hand? That he will not let us go? That he will not forsake us? And right here is the reminder that over the course of Abraham's life, God is reminding Abraham of his great steadfast love for him. 
that he would fulfill his promises. And Abraham believed him. In the context here, we see God reminding him again of what he was going to do and rewarding him um, for his obedient faith. Now, notice here in this context, he just simply reiterates the promise. So in verse 17 of our text this morning, it says, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, which is almost exact language from chapter 15 as the sand of the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. Now, when we look at this, we tend to think just nearsighted about what does this promise mean for Abraham? Now, we've already began to unpack this, that God is at work in a larger way, is he not? In the understanding of how he is working this towards his redemptive ends. And so in the context here, we see that he's repeating this in the sense of his promise that would ultimately be fulfilled in Christ. We looked at that last week, but I think there's a confusion sometimes here that we don't want to miss. And that is that Abraham's faith, he is not on a performance track with the Lord in the sense of his obedience is not earning favor with God. We know that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness as we understand what it means to be justified by faith in Christ. And we have seen this in the context in many places. What is the relationship, again, between faith and works that God is working in? So we see in this context that ultimately true faith acts. True faith is obedient we looked at this earlier in chapter 22, did we not? That he was told to go and take his son, and he says, here I am. And what does it say in verse 3? It says, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, and he began preparing for the sacrifice, which was a three-day journey away. Abraham immediately obeyed. What is the fruit of true faith? It's obedience. Let's let James, the apostle, help us on this as well. Turn to James chapter 2. It reminds us of this very truth in the context of it that true faith follows through. But this is our reward. The reward is in the person of God. James chapter 2. Look down to verse 14. James makes this point very clear in his epistle on the relationship between faith and works. And oftentimes we, of course, would repeat that uh, salvation is by grace uh, through faith, and that is absolutely true, but also James adds to this understanding of that true faith is going to work itself out. So it says in verse 14, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Also, faith by itself, it, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. 
Do you want to be shown, O foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Here is the example here from Abraham. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active. Here's the key words. Along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works, not by faith alone. And in the same way was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So what is James' point and what is the point of Abraham in this context? Well, it's a reminder that faith, while it is the means that God is using as we look to him, faith itself cannot save us. It's faith in the object of our faith that we are trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Is this not the case when we fly in an airplane? We trust that the pilot knows what he's doing, that this uh, plane has the ability to, while it weighs thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds, but with thrust and the law of aerodynamics can overcome the law of gravity, and we get ourselves on that plane, we strap ourselves in because we believe it can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We believe it, and therefore we act on that belief by getting in the plane. In the same way, And while that illustration definitely breaks down, we trust that God is able to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And we see this in the context of Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Abraham knew and Abraham believed and Abraham acted. And so in the context of this, we know that James uses the example of Abraham in our very text to show that faith is an action. It's not just an empty belief. As James said, even the demons believe and tremble. So what takes the knowledge of the truth and putting it into action? Well, we see that here in the life of Abraham, that we are obeying the Lord and we see Abraham's obedience. We see him turning to the Lord. And what is the reward? Notice that he simply reiterates this wonderful promise that is packed full of gospel truth. First of all, we see in verse 16 that he, because he's not withhold his only son, that he is going to bless him. There is evidence here that God is speaking not just of Abraham's life, but beyond his life, that he is truly working something that's more beautiful than he can ever imagine. Notice he speaks of his offspring as the stars of the heaven or as the sand of the seashore or as the dust, as he said earlier in the book of Genesis, that your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. Now, Notice he's talking about numerically in verse 17, he would have many offspring as the stars of the heavens. And we know that to be the the truth of what God is doing in his redemptive um, work, that he's bringing a people to himself as we see him fulfilling even in the New Testament in drawing many into his church. 
but we also see that this blessing is in a sense of the Holy Spirit's work in also bringing to us the very understanding that God is going to bring a offspring into the world. And we know this from this text because Paul also speaks to this. When we read it in this text, we can see the offspring numerically, but we also see it, it's not just plural in the future, but it's singular in the text of verse 17. And how do we know that? Well, because what is it that God is accomplishing that he's going to bring a blessing to all the earth? So turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We looked a few weeks ago at this very truth of the covenants between Hagar and Sarah and that these were two covenants. We also turn to this passage in our, or this book uh, of Galatians for this very purpose, that it was uh, a allegorical interpretation again of what was happening. Yes, it happened in time and space and it's very historical in the text of Genesis, but Paul also brings up that there's, this is the very seed form of what Sinai would be versus what grace through faith looks like. And so here in Galatians chapter 3, Paul coming to the Galatians who were many Jewish believers and were turning once again to an obedience by works. Paul is astounded that they would do such a thing, which is why we just looked at James because this text is not saying that, that we are somehow on this performance track with the Lord and that when we falter, he beats us and when we succeed, he blesses us. No, but even more deeply, it's our identity with him. So look at what he says to these Galatians that are turning back to the law as a means of their salvation. He says, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you in what it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He clearly brings them back to the topic of Christ. He says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, that you are being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham, here is the example of Abraham, believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Know then, it is those, who's, uh, those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And there should be an audible gasp in the room for those Galatians. Why? Because oftentimes we look at the sons of Abraham by mere genetics and the scriptures are clearly teaching that Abraham was a father by faith. He was an example to us by faith. And so it says in verse 8, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. We talked about this last week, how the gospel is right here in our text. And so then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. And why is this so critical? Even to our present day, Abraham is a famous man. Have you ever considered just recently, even from the last administration, as uh, President Trump with multiple other world leaders put together uh, what is now known as the Abraham Accords? 
everybody finds their, at least in the Middle East, a history back, at least historically, to Abraham. And people are saying that the Bible is just a, made, a bunch of made-up fairy tales? I don't think so. We see here that Abraham is a key figure, not just in these major fa- 